Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we are live. One, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. It's West by Pod podcast about WVU sports, the Big 12 conference, and uh, Applebee's NIL deals. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Joel Bracken. On Twitter, I'm at WVStatsGuy, and I'm joined by Jordan Pinto. He's at Game Day Shorts. How's it going today, Jordan? Doing well, man. Double pinted uh, as per and, uh, and ready to rock and roll. Nice. Glad to hear it. So today we're going to be doing a little deep dive on uh, the first two Big 12 opponents West Virginia will face. That's Kansas and Texas. Uh, So breaking those down a little bit. Jordan, did you know that there is a connection between Texas and Kansas? They actually played in football last year. Did you know this? Is that right? No, I hadn't heard about it. What, what, uh, What happened? Yeah, I was I was deep in the numbers. Turns out Kansas beat Texas last year in Austin. Um, and just thought that was important to get off, you know, right off the bat here, let everybody know. So we're going to be breaking down those teams a little bit deeper um, and talk about what we can expect this year. But first, Jordan, you're on the hill this week. Um, so bottom of law school here, hill, here we go. I got a few questions for you. First one. Um, so we got a depth chart. We know we uh, who's going to be playing where and and more or less a, a kind of a starting lineup so do you have any big reactions or big uh thoughts after seeing the depth chart um yeah i mean just a just a couple a uh, couple takeaways um you know they, they were non-committal at quarterback which uh was to be expected i think we all expect daniels to to win that job there um uh you know i think uh the the big surprise for me offensively was kind of seeing how they had uh, the, the wide receiver uh, too deep shook out. Um, so, so Ford Wheaton and Prather were starting outside, which was no surprise. Uh, but then they had uh, Sam James at the Y, Reese Smith at the H, uh, which is actually, you know, when, when you run 11 personnel, so when there's a tight end on the field, the H is technically, you know, what, uh, what the tight end would be. Um, so interesting to see that they have Reese Smith out there. I think that's going to be a good role for him, um, you know, when we go four wide, because, you know, I've, I've argued for, for year, uh, well, pretty much since he's been on campus, that that he has the best slot skill set on the team. You know, mm-hmm. Winston Wright, Sam James, um, look the part of slot receivers, but I don't, I don't feel like they necessarily have have the skill set. Um, you know, in terms of fi- finding space, knowing when to gear up and gear down, both of those guys are, are pretty full steam ahead all the time, which is fine. Um, and there's a role for that, which I think actually is it's you know it seems like the Y, um, the Y receiver at USC. Went deep a good bit, which I think is one of Sam James' strengths that we really haven't taken advantage of since his freshman year. So excited to see those switches or to, to kind of see how that inside receiver uh, too deep shook out. And and I think it's going to be beneficial for both of them. So I um, was pumped about that. Um, defensively, no uh, no real surprises. Um, I think the, my, my big takeaway is that the, the secondary is actually in better shape than I think I kind of thought that it might have been. Um, just with all the attrition over the last two off seasons, uh, especially, you know, this, this spring, um, there was a chance that it could have been in really, really bad shape. But, you know, when you see all the pieces that we brought in, not even including the freshmen, um, plus we bring back Charles Woods, who one of the highest graded corners in the country last year, um, after he became the starter for the second half of the season. Um, I actually think there's foundation there for, for it to be a pretty strong unit again. So that was, mm-hmm. uh, my main takeaway defensively is just being encouraged by, uh, what this secondary could turn into. 
Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it stinks when you look at the names that we've lost on the defensive end over the last couple of years through transfers. So um, yeah, having having a little bit of optimism on the, especially in the secondary is definitely what we need this time of year. So happy to hear it. Um, so next question moving on here. So we had Big 12 Media Day, um, all kinds of storylines, all kinds of narratives, all kinds of things kind of getting geared up for the season. Um, was there a favorite story or narrative that came out for you anything that that kind of caught your eye um i think the the little nugget that uh, that piqued my interest the most was neil brown kind of i guess not even alluding to just outright saying that um you know going back to the secondary we're going to be looking to get away uh from from the zone scheme we've been we've been pretty zone heavy the last uh really since they've been on campus um and it sounds like that was out of necessity. You know, we didn't, we didn't have guys who were maybe athletic enough to run with some of the people in the big 12, uh, man for man, which has kind of driven some of the changes we've seen in that room. Um, but, but emphasizing that he wants to get to more of a man scheme so that we can send more pressure at people and, and hopefully create more havoc, create more turnovers, which has, has certainly been something that we've struggled with, um, over the last couple of years. So nice to see them identify that as, as an opportunity to get better and, and nice to hear that they're emphasizing it this year. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like with media day stuff, you get a lot of um, just filler, you know, you get a lot of, of a lot of things that don't really mean anything. So um, I think one, one of the hard things of this time of year is extracting some meaning out, you know, like Neil Brown says that the quarterback position is going to be open, you know, JT Daniels has to go win it. I think that's, that's great talk. Like I think JT Daniels, I'm pretty confident is going to be our quarterback um, come fall, but yeah, it was interesting to, to hear that kind of change up. Um, so last thing kind of also sort of piggybacking off the media day. Um, so we did get an all big 12 team, uh, posted. So West Virginia had four players on the team. We have, uh, Zach Frazier, Casey Legg, uh, Dante Stills and Charles Woods. So, I mean, getting four people in that list is, is really not bad at all. Um, I think Oklahoma only has one player and it's the punter, Michael Turk. So, you know, you get four guys on that list. You can't be too upset. Could you make a case for anyone? Did anybody get snubbed? Did anybody, you know, was anybody kind of in that honorable mention you think that 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 might be knocking on the door? Um, yeah, I, you know, I feel like for the most part, uh, I, I can't argue too much with uh, folks who got left off. You know, I think that if you're going to look at an honorable mention, um, you would maybe look at Wyatt Milam. You maybe look at Doug Nestor, um, two offensive linemen who, uh, both really came on uh, towards the end of last year. Um, I think Nestor was was hurt early, and once he kind of once he kind of got healthy, got that cast off his hand, he was he was excellent for the second half of the season. Um, and then same with Milam. You know, he kind of took the starting job over after splitting time for the first six games, and for those last six games, never really looked back. Um, but you know, look, <laughs> you look at the guy, the 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 first team. Uh, offensive line is actually, I mean, just straight studs across the board. So Zach Frazier is obviously on there already. You have Cooper Beebe, Kansas State, Trevor Downing, Kansas State, uh, Connor Galvin, Jacob Gall, both from Baylor. Um, you know, I can't really fault those guys, uh, you know, getting selected. Um, it's hard to argue that Nestor or Milam should be in over any of them. But, you know, I think those are two guys who are probably, of, of anybody that we have, who are probably closest to to knocking on the door, maybe, maybe by the time the postseason uh, big 12 or the all big 12 team comes out, maybe those guys are in the mix at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some guys who could play themselves on to this list, you know, by the time it's, it's a final list and not a preseason list. Yep. Um, one interesting thing to note, I'm just looking at it again. Zach Frazier is one of three players who are not an upperclassman. So he's a sophomore. Um, you only have Xavier worthy at Texas and, Colin Oliver at Oklahoma State, uh, three sophomores. Everybody else is a junior or senior. So big love for Zach Frazier out there making the list. Um, and yeah, like I, I agree with you. Getting four guys on that list, um, I'm fine with that. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, man. Cool. All right. Well, great job running the hill. Um, so we Madam are going to get I need to recover here real quick. <laughs> yeah, a couple reps up law school. He'll do it to you. So. We're going to get into the meat of it today. Um, so we're deep diving on Kansas and Texas. We're kind of just running down the order um, that West Virginia is taking on their Big 12 opponents. So if you missed last week's episode, we did out of conference. We talked VT and Pitt. That was a lot of fun, really, to just dive in. And, you know, some teams that there's lots of history with, but you don't see as much. So get caught up on them. 
Yeah. Now we're back into Big 12. You see these teams a lot. I think you understand the narrative and sort of the turnover, the coaching, you know, everything that's going on with these teams a little bit better. Um, but still, you know, with transfers, with coaching changes, um, there's still lots to talk about and and lots of speculation. So I think we're gonna gonna start off with Kansas today. Um, so Kansas last year went two and ten, and they beat South Dakota and Texas. Um, oh, did they beat Texas? They beat Texas. I, oh, yeah, okay. and I did yeah. double check that it was a, a win in Austin. So um, okay, well that should be the last time we bring we bring that up on this. Podcast. Yeah. So you know, just something to write down in your notes. You know, maybe a little a little side note there, but um, Kansas. You know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. Like Kansas was not good last year. Kansas hasn't been good in a long time. Um, they they've won three or less games for the last twelve seasons. So um, I I don't know, but it, it was an interesting thing because Kansas. You know, I think they've been getting kicked around in the Big Twelve for a long time now. But the interesting thing to me was you make this quarterback change, you kind of take a little bit of a risk on Jalen Daniels, throw him out there. He starts the last three games. Uh, the first of those, he beats Texas. The second um, versus TCU, very a one-possession game. The third one versus West Virginia, a one-possession game. So, Jordan, I guess I'm kind of curious. Like, what do, what are you feeling? Do you feel like there's some optimism in Lawrence, Kansas this offseason? Yeah, I feel like the vibes have to be, if if not high, certainly higher than they than they usually are. Right? Like you mentioned, you know, Jalen Jalen Daniels started the last three games. I think he took over halfway through uh, the the game before uh, Texas. And if you look, uh, you know, if you if you split the stats up by month, um, they were last in the conference. Obviously, uh, if you look at the full season for the last month, they were third in the conference in scoring, sixth in total offense. So, you know, Jalen Daniels with that Kansas offense, you know, you you could argue it's a, it's a middle of the road offense in the league, which is not something that we're used to. And you know, I was kind of thinking about it. Um, we've we've talked about the lack of returners. Um, you know, the, the quarterback turnover in the conference where really Spencer Sanders is, is kind of the, the main name who's coming back. Jalen Daniels has got to be the second best returning starter in the conference, right? Yeah, I mean, if, you know, maybe Max Duggan at TCU, but yeah. you, from what you've seen of Jalen Daniels, I mean, in the Texas game, he had a 91 PFF grade. And that's that's pretty elite. That's that's top tier. So, yeah, he, he's up there. Um, yeah, what we man. saw is, is true. Yeah, you, you look at his stats – he completed 60, 68.5% of his passes, eight, 860 yards, 7.3 yards per attempt, which nothing crazy, but seven touchdowns and three interceptions, pretty pretty decent ratio there. Doesn't really put the ball in bad positions uh, to this point, or at least he didn't in those three games. But yeah, 78 PFF grade is, is good. Um, the one thing I noticed, you know, we talk about it a lot on here is is the drop-off that, that folks have against pressure. And, you know, he's a good enough athlete that, he can get away from pressure. So maybe it doesn't bother him as much. There's a really small drop off. I think he went from a 72.9 when kept clean to a 67.4. Um, and, and that's, you know, when pressure, that's so that that's insane because yeah. I mean, the standard is a pretty moderate drop off is, is yeah. regular. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I think that's a, a really good point about him is that in his, his smaller set of a set of temps, like he didn't play a full season, but yep. He found a way to be efficient when pressured still. But yeah, no, he, yeah, he's very comfortable off script, right? Which is, which is uh, an incredibly useful skill, uh, especially in this league where you look across and, and probably the best, if you were going to say the best unit across all the teams, it's the defensive fronts. You know, you look at Oklahoma State, you look at us, you look at Baylor. Um, there are a lot of really strong defensive fronts. So being able to get away from pressure, play off script is super important. Um, you know, I looked, if you look at his, his, uh, passing distances so the you know the distance the ball travels in the air um pretty consistent across all of them you know um so if you look behind the line of scrimmage zero to ten yards ten to twenty and then twenty plus pretty consistent across everything and then obviously uh you know he's a he's a great athlete a great runner i think he had 27 carries 140 yards last year three touchdowns three explosive plays four missed tackles nine scrambles 43 yards so yeah he's a he's a he's a true dual threat and and i really think you know um, obviously there's some, some notable newcomers at the quarterback position, but I think he's, he gives Kansas a better shot than anybody that they've had in the last decade, I think at, at quarterback. So, um, yeah. definitely encouraging sign, you know, that's a great place to start offensively. Yeah. And, you know, he had Jason Bean playing a lot of games last, last year at quarterback. 
Um, He wasn't great, but I mean, like I said, when you really dive into the Kansas numbers, it's kind of funny because you look for strengths and weaknesses and uh, everything was Kansas's weakness. So, you know, they were bad across the board. There's no protection. There's no like, you know, there's no defensive stops. There's really not a lot of help. But but Jalen Daniels was definitely a bright spot there at the end of the season. Um, So I I think very excited to see, you know, now you have an off season to sort of script around this guy to play to some of the strengths. And, you know, one thing important about Kansas is, you know, you definitely feel like there's probably a talent drop off, but, um, you know, compared to other teams in the Big 12, they they really did all right in the transfer portal, at least picking up some guys who have played at the Power 5 level, who have contributed at the Power 5 level. Yep. Um, you get two running backs uh, coming in, Kai Thomas from Minnesota, who got, um, you know, pretty good success last year in Minnesota. Um, Sevion Morrison transferred from Nebraska, um, didn't play a lot of snaps, but still you're getting a P five guy in there. So, you know, get, getting kind of building out a little bit of more weapons around him. You still have Devin Neal returning, um, at a running back. Yeah. So, low key. It's a, it's a, it's a really good running back room, right? Like I really, yeah. I mean, Kai Thomas put up 140 and on, on us in the bowl game. So no, I mean, you, you hit it on the head. I, I like the running backs. I mean, you're just filling out talent, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be a, a super hater on Kansas, but like, I, I don't think it's a secret that the talent across the board is just lower than their competition. But OK, you're starting to plug some guys in here like, all right, there could be a running game. Um, what did they do versus Texas last year? And they had like 230 rushing yards. You know, the, you, you can expand that out. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think Kansas is going to be exciting. You know, is Kansas going to make a bowl game? Like, I don't think so. But is Kansas going to be improved? I think like you have to feel good. The, the the big thing I think interesting about Kansas too is the returning production. Um, and you know, I think returning production is a, some people see it as just like, if you return a lot, you have to be good. Kansas is like top five in the country in returning production. Yeah. Let, let's not kid ourselves that the production wasn't great, but you know, you have continuity. You have a lot of the same guys back um, pretty much on both sides of the ball. Like you, you, you at least can have something to build upon. Um, and I kind of want to mention first, like the coaches here. So, um, Lance Leipold, he has been with this offensive and defensive coordinator for so long. I think this is kind of crazy. So the offensive coordinator is Andy, uh, Kotelnicki, I believe is how you say his last name. Um, he's been, been with Leipold since 2013. Um, and this was, so they were at Buffalo previously for like six or seven seasons before that they're at Wisconsin whitewater. Um, and then the defensive coordinator, Briar, Brian Borland, he's been with Leipold since 07. So this like connected group of coaches have been doing this a while. They had some success, went to Buffalo, had some success, came to Kansas. Like, I think you could sell me that they have a vision, at least like, you know, they probably know kind of yeah. the direction they want to get to. Yeah, there, there's a there's a formula. If you even look, you know, some of the guys they brought in, I think there were two this this summer and, and one. Uh, one or two last year too of of just Buffalo guys, right? Who just who just followed them, followed them down to uh, down to Kansas, down to Lawrence. Um, yeah, no, I mean, y- you really you said it. They're, they're, it's just like I mean Neil Brown, Jordan Leslie, like that that kind of stuff. Like knowing what knowing what the head coach expects, knowing what you're going to get from the offensive coordinator, knowing what to expect from the defensive coordinator. Just like removing that uncertainty allows you to focus on you know, the actual X and O's, how are we going to attack teams? How are we going to defend teams? So, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a really important point to make. Yeah. So just, I guess, continuing on about the offense. So we kind of talked to the quarterback room and talked about some running back. So they have some good production coming back. The receiving room, you lose a really good guy in yeah. Kwame Lassiter and he's in the NFL. He was the top targets guy. But after that, you get the next seven guys in terms of targets. So anyone who was targeted more than nine times last year came back. So lots of continuity there. Um, you know, like I said, last year was, was definitely the best guy. Maybe Luke Grimm was looking at some numbers last year. Might have been the, you know, the next guy in line. Lawrence um, Arnold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stephen McBride, who, you know, put up, put up some volume. Didn't do a whole lot with it. I saw they they had a guy named Douglas Emelian from Minnesota, so he must have come down with Kai Thomas on a little package mm-hmm. deal. Uh, but he didn't play much in Minnesota, so not sure what to expect there. But yeah, I mean, you at least have, you know, you have three or four guys who have, you know, you've seen them do it before, right? You've seen them play before. Yeah. So 
once again, returning production, it wasn't great, but you got the same guys. You yep. at least feel like you were building something the last three games of the season. You go to the offensive line. I mean, nobody was good on the offensive line. No. Like, nobody stood out. Like, I don't think anyone on their offensive line might start on our offensive line, but you get four of the five guys back. Um, once again, maybe there's a vision. Maybe you're building something. Um, if anything, you get around two. You get to say, we found some success at the end of last season. Can we turn that over into something that, you know, can we go from two wins to four wins? Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see if if the vision, and like I said, I think the coaches here, um, with the continuity they've had and the success that they've had, you know, I, I think there has to be some sort of game plan that they're working towards. Um, so really interested to see what the Kansas offense has in store this year. They, they at least could be fun. Yeah, the, the offense is going to be... Uh, the offense is going to be what wins them games, right? Um, yeah. You know, you look, uh, I guess, if we want to, do we want to segue to the defense? Anything else about the offense? Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have on offense. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so the offense is going to be what wins them games. The the problem with Kansas, uh, you know, last year and and probably this year is that they were probably the worst defense in, in P5. Um, yeah. You know, you look <laughs> pretty much anywhere you look, they, they were – uh, 64th out of 64 P5 teams on uh, PFF, um, 65th out of 65 on Beta Rank. Um, you know, in the bottom in the bottom 10 or 15 of the country, and in, in pretty much every relevant statistical category. Mm-hmm. Um, 162 missed tackles, which is insane. That's 13 and a half a game. So you know, just a bad all around defense. Um, as you, as you said, they, they bring some people back, but again, like, you know, you're not bringing back great guys. And, and unfortunately they probably lost, uh, I don't know about their best player, but, uh, they lose Kyron Johnson and he got yeah. drafted, right? So, um, edge rusher, uh, had a 81 PFF grade last year, 39 pressure, six sacks. He was a really good player. And, uh, unfortunately he's on the Philadelphia Eagles now. Um, the one thing, again, you, you know, you mentioned the transfer portal. The one thing that I, I liked that they really did here, they, they added a guy named Lonnie Phelps from Miami, oh, yeah. Ohio. Um, and it's going to be, you know, just in terms of a plug and play, uh, like for like kind of, kind of addition, um, you know, Phelps had an 84.7 PFF grade last year, 42 pressures, 10 sacks. So very good pass rusher off the edge who they're going to hope can, you know, be, be as good as Kyron Johnson was for them last year. Yeah. I think Lonnie Phelps is a massive addition. I mean, you lose Kyron Johnson, which is, you know. That stinks. You know, it, it is funny that even teams like Kansas have these NFL guys. I mean, you had an NFL receiver and defensive lineman lurking on a team that was pretty under talented. Um, but, you know, one of the big things with the defense last year um, is people would just run all over Kansas. It was almost like you didn't need to um, respect the game scenario as much. Um, there, there's like a, a metric rush rate over expected. And, and basically the gist of it is teams ran the ball on, on Kansas whenever they felt like, even if like <laughs> it wasn't a necessarily a, a run or pass down, they're like, we're just going to run it. Cause you're going to find success. Um, the linebacking core, I mean, PFF was not kind to them. Not much there for the linebackers that is to, to look up on, but you get pretty much everybody back. Um, kind of same story among a lot of these position groups with Kansas, um, and then, you know, in the secondary, I think they might be all right. Uh, you know, Kenny Logan Jr. I, I think is pretty solid. He's, he's their best player returning. Um, and he's their only guy on the all big 12 team. Yeah. He's a, he's a super impactful player, man. He's one of those guys where you watch them and it just feels like it was like, kind of like how Carl Joseph was with us, right. Where it's like, man, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a, a pass to the flats or something up the middle or something deep. Like he's the guy making the tackle at all three levels. Um, you know, I saw he was, he's the top tackler last year among P five safeties. He was in the top 25 nationally among all players, just in terms of tackles. So he's a guy who, you know, he puts himself about, right. He's first team, first team, all conference. Like you said, I think he has defensive player of the year potential. If, if Kansas, mm-hmm. if the defense takes, you know, maybe a step forward, they do win four or five games. Maybe he's somebody who, you know, kind of a dark horse to win that defensive player of the year. Um, so yeah, no, I think he's a, he's an awesome player. Um, and then I, I, they, they bring back two. uh, so pair of sophomores outside, uh, Jacoby Bryant, Cameron Dabney, who both played last year as true freshmen, um, and did, did okay. Both of them graded in the sixties. Dabney was a 61. Uh, Bryant was a 64.6. So, you know, 
for for true freshmen, I don't think that's anything yeah. to anything to turn your nose up at. And you know, you would expect them to take a a step forward this year outside. So that's uh, that's encouraging. Um, did did you say? Sorry, going back to Kenny Logan Jr. Did you say he led the team in tackles? Oh, he was. Uh, so yeah, so he did. Yeah, he was actually the top. Uh, you know, among safeties in, in the Power Five, he was the top tackler. That's inter- I mean, that's interesting. I mean, it obviously, like shows his talent. But another thing that tells me is like, wow, the front seven must stink if if a safety is getting that many tackles. It's that 162 um, missed tackles. Somebody had to. Do, somebody yeah, had to tackle somebody, right? You're getting to the third um, level. Um, yeah, and like it kind of goes back to just like the running. They they were unable to stop anybody on the ground. Um, but I, I don't dislike the secondary. I, I think it should be better. Um, I, I think, like you said, you threw some young guys to the Wolves last year. Yep. And hopefully it pays dividends here, you know, as the as the years roll by. So, you know, I guess all this is to say, this is still Kansas, and, and this is when we talked tiers. It was, it was uh, they were still in a tier of their own, and it was Kansas, but they're frisky. And... You know, as we dove deeper, I kind of feel the same way. Like, it's hard to get past the the talent deficiencies they have, but there is some optimism to sell in terms of the way things ended last year, the people you're getting back, the coach continuity. Um, you have Texas on the schedule, so like, you know, there, there's some there's some wins out there maybe for this <laughs> Kansas team. Yeah, man. Yeah. So if you look, uh, I think they're they're over under set at two and a half. Um, you want me to let me pull up the schedule? Real yeah, quick. So, pull up the schedule. So Tennessee Tech's a win, so that's one. Yep. Um, we're yeah, I mean Houston. we're a loss. Houston's a loss. I mean, could they beat Duke? They might be able to beat Duke. They played Duke last year pretty close in halftime, and then I think Duke came out and scorched him in the second half. But that was pre Daniels. Uh, yeah. Okay. At home for Kansas, I, you know, I think that might be a. 30 70 40 60 like you got a shot in that game that's that's a, yeah. a game that might be a good measuring stick for them of like all right can we beat some low p5 teams for sure for sure and then i think you know you'd look at they have tcu at home if tcu's defense is as bad as it was last year that's one where if you're kansas maybe you, you think you can win that game mm-hmm. um you know i'd look at i mean texas tech's on the road but that's another team where if i was going to pencil in a, a coin flip kind of game so yeah, no, I mean, you know, there's there's wins out there for sure. Plus they have Texas at home. So Yeah. You know, so, is this so, the five at the five and seven Kansas Jayhawks? Whew. I don't know about five. You said the number was two and a half, right? Yeah, I think I think they could get to three for sure. I think Tennessee Tech, you know, Kansas has has thrown up some FCS games over the years. Like they you know, it's some some years it's like you go winless and you lost to two FCS teams. I mean I don't want to say Tennessee Texan pin, but you have to feel good about them at least winning that this year. I think Duke, you feel all right. I think TCU, you feel okay. Texas Tech, maybe. And then, you know, you might go steal one. Let's not forget, like, this year, Kansas and Oklahoma. I mean, that game kind of came down to the wire until Caleb Williams did that insane whatever, steal the ball from the running back on fourth down kind of, you know. I, I think they might sneak up on some random team that, you know, maybe it's Iowa State. They have Iowa State at home. Um, I, I, I'm not sure where where it would be, but I think they they should be at least considered to compete in maybe four games, five games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you go get a win or two. So, how do you feel about two and a half? You, you up or down? Uh, I wouldn't bet on it, but I think that they can. I think that they can get to over. I think they can get over two and a half for sure. Yeah, and um, I I assume we'll do a, a little maybe uh, at the end of the the deep dives when we get to a little like right before season maybe we can do a little pick them on the show here and 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 hash it out. But yeah, I, also yeah. I don't I don't know that I would go after a two and a half Kansas number. It's I, I would maybe lean over, but uh, it's still Kansas. Yeah, no, I mean, interestingly, they're they're given uh, so overs minus one twenty five, unders one hundred five. So, hmm. um, you know, they the vibes are high. Vegas vibes are high. Kansas vibes are high. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I no, I think I mean, I think we've we've kind of covered it. It's it's Kansas, but they're you know they're plugging dudes in. They're they're frisky. They're they're building something. I think that Tennessee Tech, you know, you mentioned. I think they played they played one of the Dakota schools to open last season and. And one by like three or something. 
this mm-hmm. is one where, you know, the continuity we talked about, the coaching staff, like if this is if this is something where they're building towards something, they bury Tennessee Tech, right? Or not, you know, if not bury them, win comfortably. You know, this isn't one where they stumble out of the blocks looking ahead to us or anything. Um, yeah. So I think that'll be a, a telling game for them. Like if they just come out and put it on Tennessee Tech, then it's like, okay, Kansas, let's go. Yeah. And, and okay, so I know we, we've talked some optimism about Kansas and, and kind of how they closed the year. Just as devil's advocate, he, here would be my rebuttal to like optimism for Kansas and, and kind of more like in close to last year. Texas was absolutely terrible against the run and Kansas was successful because of that. You kind of get a little bonus spark because Jalen Daniel comes, Jalen Daniels comes in. TCU was also terrible against the run. So those are the two games that you compete in. West Virginia, you know, was not a world beater last year. You kind of get three games that were in the soft part of the schedule. You have some success with the new quarterback, who's definitely an upgrade. Um, so that would be my like, okay, maybe maybe this is still Kansas. They just strung something together. I tend to think it's a little more actual, like truth that they they are going to be improved. But um, you know, you got to show it at some point. You got to go out and win more than three games. It's been over a decade since they've done that. Yep. Yep. Completely agree. Cool. All right. Um, so any other thing on Kansas? The only thing I have, and I just wanted to mention Jared Casey, the tight end. Awesome. Got the Applebee's NIL deal. If you never haven't seen the commercial, you got to go check it out. It's so hilarious. And it's just mocking Texas for, he yeah. always goes for two for 20 or something like that. It's, yep. it's, it's awesome. Yeah. He's um, the dude who he caught the two point conversion to beat Texas last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that's a fun one. All right, cool. So I think that'll wrap things up on Kansas. Um, you ready to talk a little Texas Longhorns? Yeah. You want, uh, you want me to do the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So I'll run through. Uh, so yeah, 2021, um, as we said, finished five and seven, not, not great. Not a great team last year. Lost to Kansas. Um, in mm. case we have skipped over that. Uh, to this point, I don't know if we had, had if we had talked about that, but was yeah, it, wait in, in football and basketball because Kansas won the title in basketball. <laughs> you were talking about in football, right? Football, that's oh, right. Wow. Yeah, it was a basketball score, but it was a football game. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So the the note that I had that basically summarized their season is is Caleb Caleb Williams just broke them last year. So like you know they were up twenty eight to seven in that game. I think they were ranked 20, 20 nationally. Uh, they were three and one. Um, and, you know, Spencer Rattler gets booed off the field. Kalen Williams comes in, breaks a 66-yard touchdown on, on that fourth and one, and eventually completes the comeback. And Texas did not win a game again for, like, three months. I think they, <laughs> I think they, they lost six straight games after that. They went to the weird, dark place for yeah, yeah, half of a season after that play. Yep, yep. Curled up in the fetal position, uh, you know, sucking on their thumbs, just, like, wondering wondering where it all went wrong. Um into 2022, somehow uh, the the hype is back. You know that Texas is back. You look, they're they're plus eight thousand to win the national championship, um, <laughs> plus two fifty to win the Big Twelve, plus one sixty to win ten plus games. Over unders eight and a half. Which, you know, I <laughs> they've got four or they got three guys on the Heisman watch list who are who are getting odds for the Heisman. So you know, people are. <laughs> Despite five and seven, people are all the way in on them. And uh, in 2022, what's your uh, what's your initial uh, vibe check on on Texas this year? I think Texas is going to be a story of like two sides of the ball. I think the offense should be pretty good. Okay. Um, I mean, you got you got the weapons, you got the guys. I think the defense, just like last year, last year the defense was was really bad. Um, so you know, can the defense step up? I have all kinds of opinions on the defense. We'll, we'll get to that, I, can, I guess, as we kind of hash it out. But um, I, you know, the hype never leaves Texas. It doesn't matter what they do. It's going to be renewed for the next season. They roll in the recruits, and that just doesn't stop. They roll in the transfers. I mean, how many guys did you look up? They got four-star transfer guys. You know, it's it just this is what happens. They reload every single year. Um, I am a little surprised, and this is also kind of coupled with Oklahoma, but. Texas only had two guys on the all big 12 team. One of those guys is the offensive player of the year, um, you know, preseason Bajon Robinson, but you only have two guys from Texas and one guy from Oklahoma on the all big 12 team. 
I'd like to know the last time those two schools combined for three three dudes because that's pretty surprising to me. So I'm kind of surprised you see the hype on one side that you have Heisman finalist, you have 10 win national championship, reasonable odds. Um, I'd say they're unreasonable, but yeah, on. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm saying that they're saying they're a, there's a feasible chance is yeah, what the odds yeah. are saying. And you're looking at the roster, especially on the defensive side, and you're like, okay, I could you you could sell me something about the offense, but on the defense, I, I'm not sold. Um, and and yeah, so you know, I, I think maybe similar to Kansas, where okay, there's some things that might go right, but it's still Kansas. Okay, Texas win. When in the last 10 years have they not been in this situation where they got some dudes, they got some NFL guys, they got everything, they got the resources, they have the new recruits, the transfers, and the preseason hype. And what have they done like for 10 straight seasons? I think they've had one 10-win season since we've been in the Big 12. So, you know, it still has to come together. It still has to happen. I I lean on that it's not going to be like a 10-win season for Texas, but I think the offense is going to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, man, they'd have to, <laughs> some stuff goes wrong if the offense isn't good. Right. Like yeah. just, just looking at the, the, the talent on paper. I mean, you know, you have probably the high profile transfer, maybe the highest outside of Jordan Addison. I don't know, but Quinn mm-hmm. Ewers, um, five-star quarterback, number one overall quarterback recruit in 2021, um, went to Ohio state, got stuck behind, um, CJ Stroud, is that that's the guy's name, right? I'm not. Yeah. Okay, I'm not he he also collected the bag in in Columbus. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. But yeah, so he's a Texas guy. He played, I think he played at South Lake Carroll, which is just a national power um, in Texas. Uh, but so he'll come in. I would imagine he's the starter. Um, Casey Thompson's gone. Hudson Card's still there, but he was, you know, pretty pretty meh, I'd mm-hmm. say, in in the six games that he played in last year. Um, so who knows, you know, Ewers played like less than 10 snaps for Ohio State last year. So it's, you know, on paper, he should be amazing. Um, when you watch him throw a football without pads on, it looks amazing. Um, but who knows, you know, we've never, we haven't seen him do it at the P5 level yet. But um, if he hits, he's as good as any quarterback in the Big 12. And then you kind of alluded to it, but, but Bijan Robinson um, in the backfield with Roshan Johnson, I'd say arguably the best one-two punch in America. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to overstate how truly special I think Bijan Robinson is. I think, you know, he's one of these dudes who comes along like once every three or four years, like a Leonard Fournette or an Adrian Peterson, where they're like, he's just too good to be playing college football. Um, there, there's this, uh, advanced analytics stat. Um, it's called, does he have that dog in him? Yeah. And, and he does. Oh, he, yes, he is yeah. an animal just a massive check in that box for sure. Yeah. To, to like, so, t- uh, to underscore how hard to tackle this guy is, um, he forced 90 or 79 missed tackles last year in hundred and 195 attempts, which is, uh, a point four one missed for missed tackle force rate, which is the fourth best single season, uh, since PFF has been tracking wow. college stats in 2014. That's a, that's a good one. Um, yeah, so like you know, this guy is like generationally good at football. Um, 195 carries last year, as I said, 1127 yards, 11 touchdowns, almost four yards after contact, on average, 27 explosive plays. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, you know, he's he is the best running back in the country, in my opinion. And then you look at uh, Roshan Johnson, who no slouch. No slouch. You know, I feel like in my head when I watch them, it's clear that he's not as good as Bijan, but like the numbers are actually pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's close to six yards of carry, four yards of carry or four yards after contact, 40 missed tackles forced in 95 attempts. So, you know, right about there, um, right about the same number as Bijan, 11 explosive plays. So, you know, they're, you don't get you don't get any plays off with these two, I guess is what I would say. Yeah, I mean Roshan Johnson's going to start at most Power Five teams, yeah. um, and he's he's your he's your second punch. Um, but yeah, I mean we could sit here and talk for a while about Bijan Robinson. Um, uh, I love I, lo- I love the, I love the stat on the missed tackles. He was just second last year in raw count of missed ta- of missed tackles. Um, you know, I would say easily he's he's the best athlete in the Big Twelve. Um, Yep. We'll see if ter- if production and you know if you say he's the best player, but um, 
he's a beast and the the they like to get him in space you know 31 targets um in the passing game so i mean the, the game plan and it's it's not it's not too complicated like get this dude the ball with a little downhill speed um and he's gonna make great plays happen so that's the super bright spot um you know on this offense is is the, this one two punch of running back um back to, to quinn ewers just for a second so he's the number one quarterback in his class um this guy cracks me up just just the situation and this is just like the era the the one year or whatever so he originally enrolled in texas then he um changed it up came to ohio state he took two snaps last year and it was reported he made about two million in nil so he made about a million per snap which has got to be a record for fourth string quarterbacks in college um not even close i would hope so but just absolutely getting the bag and and then, you know, he transfers back to Texas. He's from Texas. I don't think that was a surprise. I just think it's hilarious. Um, this guy, I don't know if I want to say he's got the, the savviness to do this, but um, yeah, he, he hasn't he hasn't gotten hit yet, and he's $2 million richer Guys, estimated. You know. He's driving an Aston Martin, I think I saw on Twitter, <laughs> which is unfathomable. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy's tremendous upside. Yeah, yeah, a college guy, a college quarterback who hasn't, taking a, a real snap yet um so yeah i mean the sky's a limit for this guy it's one of those things you know how many guys do look great in practice and it doesn't pan out how many guys jump to the next level you see it guys in high school go to college college go to the pros you know it's all there until it's not and um so you don't know but every indication is this guy's the real deal um i think he's going to be be really solid i think there's an interesting conversation about texas playing bama right at the beginning of the season. Um, I think all Texas fans want this guy out there. I think they want him starting. There's like an interesting argument. Do you throw him to the wolves and just let him get crushed um, by Bama? Do you let him go out there and make a play? But, you know, the argument's kind of talking about the uh, fragility of, of young quarterbacks. Do you just, you know, show him that he does not have it on the first, you know, playing one of the hardest defenses and, and, you know, all that in his first go about it. So, um, I'm excited to see what this guy does. Um, I don't know if you watched the, uh, the open today. He looks a lot like, uh, Cam Smith. Oh the, yeah, he does. Yeah. Like yeah he's he's got that flow. He's got that flow. <laughs> yeah. He's got the flow. So a little Joe dirt, uh, look to him, but he's going to be exciting. Um, he's got guys to throw the ball to, too. Um, you got Xavier worthy, um, yeah. over a hundred targets last year. That's crazy. He got like a third of their targets. Um, I was going to say when you were talking about the Bijan where it's like, okay, the, the strategy is get this guy the ball. It's like, no, get these two guys the ball. I'm like yeah. those two guys probably combined for almost 500 touches last year. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get, get these guys, the ball in space. Um, yep. Xavier worthy has got elite speed. Yep. Um, you know, you also have Jordan Winnington, great receiver. Oh, guess what? You just got two more awesome transfers. You get Isaiah, uh, Nior from Wyoming, um, who actually had a better PFF grade than Worthy last season, which is yeah. hard to believe. Um, and then you get another four-star guy coming from from Bama. So, I mean, as the tale is old as time, like Texas has the weapons, they have the tools, they got guys. Um, on paper, it's just like, wow, this is easily one of the top two or three teams in the conference. But um, I don't know. It, it doesn't always pan out. You, you, but you have to, if there's anything to be sold about Texas, it's that the offense is going to click this year. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that if everything comes together, it's the best offense in the league um, pretty easily. You know, you mentioned the receivers. I think there's a great mix of skill sets. So you have Worthy, you have Whittington. Nair's a, Nair's a big dude. He's a vertical threat. Um, I saw he, he had a 60% contested catch rate last year um, at, at, uh, at Wyoming. So, you know, 50-50 balls aren't 50-50 balls when you're throwing to him. They're 60-40 balls at, at least. Um, and then I saw he had, um, 17.7, uh, average depth of target. Uh, so, you know, he's, I mean, he's going down the field. He had seven touchdowns on balls that were thrown 20 plus yards in the air, which was sixth in FBS. So, I mean, you know, you have worthy, um, kind of doing wide receiver one stuff. He's going to be all over the field. You have Whittington, who's kind of a little bit more of an underneath kind of slot guy. You have this dude who's going to go down the field. Um, that, you know, the dude from Bama who you mentioned was the number five receiver recruit in the class of 21. They have Tariq Milton actually from Iowa state who, mm. um, was, was good a couple years ago. He's kind of, kind of tailed off a little bit. I think over the last year or two, I don't know if, if, 
COVID had anything to do with that or, or just the way that the way that Iowa State was, you know, I mean, they weren't short on weapons the last couple of years. So um, but he's there, you know, so in terms of having just five dudes, I can't imagine that there's a team in the conference that, that can do better than that. Um, then you look at the tight ends. Uh, and so super untalented or super unproven room. I'm going to say that just off the top. But uh, as far as talent goes, you, you have Jatavian Sanders, uh, who's going to start. He was a five star, the number one overall athlete in the class of 21. And then you have Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama, who's another four star transfer who, um, you know, I think he was class of 2019, four star recruit coming out. Super talented, never really fulfilled his potential at Alabama. Um, but, you know, again, just two dudes who look fantastic in their uniforms and, and if they can put it together, um, two more weapons for viewers. I, you know, it, it, you look at this, you look at the balance, um, he's going to have a running game and then you have all these pass catch. I just don't understand how, um, you know, if everything falls into place, how, how they're not the best offense in the conference. Yeah. And, and on top of all that, guess what? You got Steve Sarkeesian, um, great offensive mind, great play caller. Um, he did all right at Bama as an offensive coordinator. You got him as the head coach. Um, you got Kyle Flood coming back. They've worked together, um, Sarkeesian and Flood. They actually were on the Atlanta Falcons together before coming to, to Bama and now to Texas. So um, the skill position, I mean, it's just insane. Yep. If there, there's a weakness on this offense, it's the line. Um, yep. You get three of the five guys, three of the five starters coming back. You definitely lose your best guy in uh, Derek Kurtstetter. Um, so last year was just they were really bad in in pass block um and kirk setter yeah. was a really good pass block so they were ninth in the conference they were only better than kansas in pass block i mean that that tells you a lot do you want to throw out um quinn ewers to the the bama defense behind uh a team that only pass blocks a little bit better than kansas like oh god that's you know a little concerning they could run the ball though like the running game was there um the run blocking was was significantly better and, you know, like I said, I think the weak point is the line. The game plan is just, can you get these skill guys the ball in space? Like, can you get creative, some tunnel screens, some, you know, just whatever it is, get the, these guys out in the open. Um, we named like six or seven of them who will tear you up. And, you know, it could be a different guy on a, on a different day. Uh, they're that deep. So um, any, any thoughts about the line? Do you agree that's, kind of what what's looking like the weak point here yeah i think it has to be um you mentioned you know you, you lose your best guy they lost both of their guards actually as well so i think that there's going to be some shuffling i think one of the dudes who played tackle for him last year has, has moved down to guard um and then interestingly uh i think they're going to be starting at least one true freshman um mm -hmm. like if Absolutely. you look at their if you look at their depth chart uh right now it's a at the right guard it's cole hudson who was a four-star in, in this year's class Mm -hmm. um, and then right behind him is a guy named Devin Campbell, who was a five-star in this year's class. So at least one of those guys is probably going to be starting a right guard. And then if you look, the, the top-rated recruit that they had was a guy named Kelvin Banks, who's a tackle. Um, and so you mentioned, you know, the pass-blocking issues last year. You got to think that if if they start the year, um, and that's a that's a area of weakness again, like at what point do you throw the five-star number mm -hmm. one recruit in your class out there as well? So, um, yeah, I think, I mean – yeah, they, I'm sure they'll be they'll be okay, um, just based on the level of recruiting that they have up there. But, yeah. but relative to the talent on the rest of the, you know, at the skill positions, I think that's definitely the weakness. I mean, it's a damn shame if the four star guy doesn't work out; they'll have to try the five star. Like that's yeah. just Texas problems. But, um, yeah, I think the the narrative that can be beat to death with Texas is the talent is there. Um, they they got the guys. They got dudes at every position. They got dudes who were the dude at their high school at every position through the depth chart. So the people are there, um, especially on the offensive end. So maybe flipping to the defense now. Um, defense last year was was pretty bad, particularly yeah. against the run. They were all right against the pass. Um, they, you know, they let Kansas run up and down on them. Kansas actually ended up winning that game. It was kind of a it was a good game. Um, yeah. yeah, so they were they were ninth in rush defense in um in the conference. So just not good. I, I'm a little confused about the scheme here. Um so they were running a four two five last year, four down. Um 
I've I've read some things that they've kind of installed the three three five, but kind of confusing to me is Gary Patterson. Um, man, if you're a TCU fan, you have to like yeah. whatever Gary Patterson's doing now in Austin, Texas is is wild and like as an impartial person that just stinks. You hate to see someone who's been at TCU that long getting involved with the devil. Um, so Gary Patterson's now involved in the defense in some regard. I think he's he's like a consultant kind of deal. Well, Pat- the head coach or some they made up some title for him yeah i mean he's probably on salary and just throwing his opinion out there and so i'm kind of confused because i've heard they've gone four two five to three three five but gary patterson's saying was the four two five i i'm not sure kind of like what the scheme deal is there um but long story short is last year it really didn't work um whatever they were doing um on the defensive end just wasn't wasn't good they're they're gonna have to tighten up a lot. Um, the offense might be able to 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 run with some teams, but um, this could be one of those. Uh, I hate them, but the the tired, boring Big Twelve team that has all offense and no defense. Yeah, I think when you when you look at that eight and a half over under, is this team gonna exceed expectations, or are they are they gonna, uh, you know, kind of get the get their balloon popped again by somebody along the way? Um, it's all on the defense, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you said it. They were ninth in the ninth in the Big 12 in run defense last year. Actually, 61st out of 64 in Power 5. Um, so, you know, really, really poor. Mm-hmm. And and this isn't just like PFF. You know, there was pretty much consensus across kind of all the all of the uh, analytics stats sites that I that I kind of look at. Um, Beta Rank had them had them pretty low. Um, you know, 60th or 57th in D score, which is kind of in the middle, but then 80th in explosive drives, 83rd negative drives, um, mm-hmm. EPA, you know, their, their expected points, uh, points added 85th against the run 70, 79th against the pass, um, 45% success rate, which was 101st nationally. So, you know, people are, people are picking up yards on them regularly, yeah. efficiently, even if they're not, you know, um, breaking big plays they were they were able to 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 gash them pretty good 148 missed tackles i know i mentioned texas or kansas missed 162 um but 12.3 missed tackles a game for 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 texas so you know a below average defense anyway you slice it last year yeah Um, yeah yeah and i i like what you mentioned too about like the you know teams were able to stay on schedule and the big thing that when you kind of look into this defense they stunk against the run and the pass rush, they were actually the worst pass no rush, pass, rush, pass yeah. rush team in the conference. They were worse than Kansas. Yep. Um, you want, you know, I I think every team needs a couple game breakers. You need some guys on defense who, you know, a negative play on defense, you get a sack on first and 10 and it's second and 17. Like that's a drive killer that that wrecks, you gets the offense off schedule, you know, th- those kinds of things just just kind of destroy your offensive game plan because now you're playing reactive to the down and distance. This team was terrible at negative drives last year. They teams stayed on schedule and never pushed them back. Um, nobody on the Texas defense had more than two sacks last year individually. There was not a single pressures. guy. Yeah. And nobody had more than 15 pressures, which is insane. I mean, it's, I think we talked about it with Virginia Tech, where the the stats were spread across, like same exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah, it, I would say even more exaggerated. I mean, it's insane. If you look at the sacks last year, I'm just going to pull it up really quick. They had um about 15 guys with a sack. None of them had more than two. So you're getting, you know, some of those are corners, some of these are safeties. You get linebackers, D line. There there was no guy who like was at least requiring respect that you know is busting through and getting one and a half a game um so i i think just kind of leading into this my, my big thing on the weakness of the defense has got to be up front like the uh yeah, they got the bullied six, yeah yeah the front six the linebackers were uh absolutely garbage as well i don't know so i saw demar demarvion overshone is is on the first team defense mm-hmm. I, I had this as well i I don't know why. So I, and then I was thinking about it, and it's because all of the all of the linebackers in the conference are gone, right? Mm-hmm. We, we've kind of talked about that with the DPOI thing, and it's like, who else? Like, what other incumbent was back? And man, like Overshone to me, he is just like a microcosm of Texas as a team over the last <laughs> half decade. Where this guy's, you know, this guy's like six four, two thirty. He can run. He looks amazing in a jersey. Has every reason to be awesome at football, and yet. 
he was not. I mean, he had a he had a 44 PFF grade last year, which was 188th out of That's 210 bad. P5 linebackers who played like 20% of their team snaps. This dude bad. had 18 missed tackles, which was the 17th most in P5. 20.2 missed tackle rate, which means he's missing one out of every five tackles that he tries, which was 26th. He allowed completions on 89% of the passes that he was targeted on. So, like, you know, this is a guy, he didn't generate pressure. He's not good against the run. He's not good against the pass. And if anything, Brockemeyer, who played yeah. next to him in the 4-2-5 last year, was worse. This dude was literally the worst graded linebacker in P5 last year. Had a 29.7, which, to give some context, that was, like, Jared Daigie's grade against pressure last year. Yeah. Right? So, he's like, that's his. That was his all-time performance the whole season. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, you know, this dude's missing tackles. This dude can't cover anybody. Um, you know, so, he, like, when you pair that behind a defensive line that doesn't really generate pressure, and it's just like, what are you even getting out of this front six? Like, you're not getting anything. Yeah. I mean, our notes are almost identical, I think, on this. It's the same thing I, I have that Overshawn's like, okay, why was this guy on the All-Big all 12 team? Because, yeah, stats are terrible. Guess what? The other linebacker even graded out worse. D-line, it's just a spread of talent. Um, no real guys have stepped up. But if if there's a strength to this team, it's this defense unit. Um, it's the secondary. Yeah. I, you know, it kind of fills in there. They weren't that bad against the pass last year. Um, you get a four-star guy coming in from Ohio State. You get some some guys back on the corners. Like the secondary is all right, but man, the front six and you know if if they're going to a three-three-five, you got to throw another linebacker in there. Who's that going to be? I don't know. Um, so actually, uh, I did have one note. So they got a dude from JMU guy. Named, I think it's Diamante Tucker Dorsey. Um, and so this dude is like the exact opposite of Demarion Overshun, right? He's he's a little bit undersized. He's like 5'10", 215. But he's a two-year starter at James Madison, which is an FCF power. Last year, he put up a 90 PFF grade for mm-hmm. the season and had 44 stops, five interceptions. And so it's like, you know, you have this one dude who looks like he should be amazing, kind of sucks. And then you have this Tucker Dorsey dude coming in who, you know, undersized, undersized guy, but is awesome at football. So I wonder if, you know, either they go to the 3-3-5, I'm sure that he's going to be the guy that gets put out there. Or if at some point during the season, you look and you say, okay, the, the two guys that we've been putting out there and like Overshone and Brockemeyer aren't first year starters. Like those are dudes who have, who have been in the program. And so, like, at what point do you say these two guys aren't working? We have this guy who has shown that he's, you know, he was one of the best off-ball linebackers in FCS last year. Like, at what point do you throw that guy out there? Um, so, I don't know. Just something something to think about, something to watch as, as the season goes on in the, in the front seven um, or in the front six. Mm-hmm. Um, I did note they have, they have a bunch of true freshmen um, on their two deep. Um, they have a dude – Justin Finkley, who's an edge rusher, um, he's on the two deep at, at what they call their um, – what do they call it? They have some interesting names for uh, yeah. some of the linebackers. The Buck. The Buck, and they, they have the Jack also. The Buck and the Jack. I'm guessing the Buck is probably kind of like what our bandit is, where he's mostly mm. a defensive lineman. But, They're like edges. Um, yeah, edge dudes. So, so they have Finkley on there, and then they have um, Terrence Brooks and, and Jalen Gilbo. Pair of four-star corners, true freshmen who are both who are both in the mix uh, at at either cornerback spot. Mm-hmm. So um, have some new stuff coming through. Like you mentioned, the Ohio State guy, he didn't play a ton last year, but he's he's big. I think he's like six three two ten. So big big dude out there from Ohio State, Ryan Watts. Um, yeah, secondary is definitely the strength of the unit, but they need they need that front six, front seven, whatever it ends up being to take uh, take a big step forward for them this year. Yeah. So do you, what's the number you said it was eight and a half for Texas? Eight and a half. Yeah. Um, okay. So out of conference this year, you got Louisiana Monroe is their first game. And then you get Bama. Um, you get UTSA who just came off the best season they've had in program history. Um, those are your three out of conference. You need eight and a half. Um, I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a good number. I think this team is just going to outscore several teams. Um, yes. You know, like that's you're going to be up in the 40s or 50s, and like that's that's going to probably be fine. Um, but as you get into the nitty gritty of the top couple teams in the conference, um, especially some of the more defensive minded teams, um, 
you know, are you going to be able to to make stops back and uh, and get that? I think that's kind of the crux of Texas this year. I expect the offense to be good. Um, the defense, I think, uh, you know, the coordinator, Pete Kwiatkowski is from Washington, had some good success there, but uh, his seat's probably going to be warm if, if this defense doesn't improve a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, so I'm looking through here. So ULM is a win. Bama's probably a loss. You know, talking about that, uh, the Ewers thing, uh, you know, if you get ULM first, maybe you just start him and then he has a game under his belt before you get Bama mm-hmm. coming into DKR. You know, I could see yeah. that being a thing. Um, I would be shocked if Ewers doesn't start. That's uh, just what I'm going to say. But then, so you have UTSA. So you go out of conference, you'd be fine with two and one. Um, then you get Texas Tech, which I think that should be a win. So you're at three and one. Um, us, you know, in my head, that's a toss up, but mm-hmm. at DKR, you know, I guess you could you could maybe say Texas will and should be favored in that game. Oklahoma is an interesting one because obviously neutral site. Um, I don't uh, spoiler. Uh, we're we're going to get into the deep dive. I don't I don't think that Oklahoma is going to be all that terrific this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually I think they're taking a full step back, if not even more than that. So I would probably favor Texas in that game. Probably favor Texas against Iowa State. I think that. Oklahoma State, Kansas State, on the road for both of those. That's tough. I think that's probably two losses uh, mm-hmm. for them because I think Kansas State's going to be good. And then Oklahoma State's defense is just going to be outrageous. But then, you know, TCU, Kansas, win-win, Baylor, toss-up. Yeah, I mean, eight, eight and a half is a good number for me. I, th- I think it's a really good number. Like, it, you could go either side of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I have a question for you, Jordan. So, for sure. you know, we've, we've only – done the deep dive on two big 12 teams so far getting into the numbers on texas we had them in that second tier you know kind of in that like i wouldn't be surprised if they make it to arlington but i'm yeah. not ready to anoint them as is having the inside lane do you still feel the same do you still feel like they have a reasonable outside chance to make it there or do you think are you higher or lower from kind of where we talked about that i think that no i think that I, i'm i'm kind of it has kind of reinforced uh, their that 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 uh, initial conclusion in my head because you know as we kind of talked about the offensive skill talent if everything comes together they're going to have more firepower than any other team in the conference and at that point you just really all you need from the defense you don't even need them to be good right you mm-hmm. just need them to take that baby step up from the average below average or bad to average right mm-hmm. and so if they can do that yeah I still think that they're you know besides. Oklahoma State, I'd say they would be the team that would surprise me the least if they, if they were in Arlington for, um, for the Big Twelve title at the end of the year. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, I, I'm still haven't done all of my my deep dive research. Um, it, I don't know. I like I said, I feel like I do have a little bit of a block talking Texas because it's it's the same story every year. It's like you buy yourself in on paper, but then you have to reality check and be like, okay, this has been the reality for several years. um, And they've kind of just been floating along. So I think Texas is going to be both Texas and Kansas offenses should be exciting to watch. I think there are plenty of guys um, that I'm excited to see and uh, lots of upsides in the offense. I think similar story for both of these teams. Defense is going to hold them back. Defense could help them get to that next level. Um, you know, maybe get closer to that win total that they're looking for. But um, do you have anything else on Texas? Um, did we mention that they uh, that they lost? They actually lost to Kansas in football last year. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, I did, did. I did. I did fact check that while you were talking. Yep. Yeah. So it was yeah, fifty seven, fifty six, Kansas in Austin. Um, and then coming off of that, you know, uh, you know, kind of a, a rough week for Texas still have bowl eligibility in play. Uh, and then they lose to West Virginia and that's the nail in the coffin. They God, win the final God. game. They win the final game, but five and seven won't do it. Um, so really disappointing year for Texas, but you know, they're still Texas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one last thing, I'm probably not going to make it to the game in Austin this year. Um, for the first time since we've been playing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so RIP Austin trips. I had a blast. Um, it's been real Texas. You're probably going to be in the SEC by the next time this this uh, fixture comes around. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been fun. 
Yeah, I've heard good things about Austin. Oh my god! Yeah, if you haven't done it, you need to do it. It's great. Yeah, and uh, was it 2018? Pretty good memories there. I'm sure you had. Um, I did indeed. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's a classic with Gus Johnson on the call. So, um, cool. So that that kind of wraps us up on Texas and Kansas. So this was our first Big Twelve deep dives. Next week. Um, we are going to handle, do you remember who I said the next two teams? Baylor, Baylor and Texas tech. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Baylor and Texas tech. Those are the next two teams West Virginia faces. So we're going to deep dive on the bears and the red Raiders. If you guys have any questions you would like us to address or any comments on Texas, Kansas, any, uh, kind of comments on Baylor, Texas tech, you can hit us up on twitter we're at west by pod with underscores in between uh also on smokingmusket.com uh you can get on the uh podcast thread article leave us some comments let us know what you'd like to hear uh talking about um but yeah that's uh that's pretty much it for uh for me anything else jordan oh good it was fun awesome well thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time all right guys You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.